Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, welcome to another beautiful day that the Lord has made, and it's a great time to be alive. You know, if you're listening to this, it is such a great time to be alive. And I know what you're thinking, what channel am I plugged into to make such a statement like this? Well, it's easy. We're talking about the message of the great St. John Henry Newman. Here's this quote. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it if I do but keep his commandments. Therefore I will trust him, whatever I am. I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. End quote. Indeed, St. John Henry Newman, pray for us. Well, in this episode, we're going to tell a couple stories about true virtue from Olympic athletes and how we can be an example of perseverance and faith to our younger generation. And we'll also include a brief 15-minute conversation with uh, the one and only Charles Coulomb that I had with him just over a month ago. I ask you to refer back to episode number 42 of the Catholic Connect podcast for our full-length interview. So the very first time I interviewed Charles, this was back, uh, I guess, in the spring, and you can double back and listen to that as well if you'd like. He was sharing a ton of great information and insights on history. But the issue was that he did all that before I actually pressed the record button and started our formal interview. And unfortunately, I never got a chance to share uh, those insights with anyone because I never actually uh, started to record it. So this time I got wise and I started recording as soon as Charles started talking. So a veteran move on my part, and uh, he has some great insights on Anglo and French history in Canada, and he makes some great points about the universal family of Jesus Christ in the church. When he talks about baptismal water being thicker than blood. I just love that. You're going to love it too. It was brief, but way too good to not share with you. So that will be coming up in the back half of this episode. But in the meantime, hey, let's start with the Olympics. Yes, the 2020 Tokyo Games delayed by a year thanks to the crazy virus that originated from the Chinese Communist Party. Let's call it for what it is. The Olympics just wrapped up here recently, and I actually quite enjoyed the Olympics for the most part, save for some of the uh, so-called woke aspects of it, which we witnessed, uh, well, a handful of isolated incidents that uh, made us uh, all of us shake our head. Anybody of goodwill or of common sense, uh, boy, there were some really 
odd athletes that that made some strange statements. And as a Canadian myself, we typically do a lot better at the snow and ice sports. So I do prefer the Winter Olympics because for the most part, most of the events, Canadians actually have a shot at a medal. But still a lot of interesting stories about some of the athletes at the Olympics. And uh, there are a lot of great lessons that we can learn from high-performance athletes. And I've always said if you can be disciplined enough to be that good at physical and mental condition, that you can put all that energy towards an earthly pursuit like being in an Olympic sport. Just imagine what a high degree of holiness these athletes could achieve. And a right relationship with God and living in a state of grace takes practice and dedication. And I think a mistake that a lot of us make when we take our relationship with God seriously is that it's going to be easy. Now, sometimes we need to make that conscious yes to prayer and making that relationship and that communication with God. St. Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church, says, quote, May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of us. End quote. I keep thinking of the powerful gift of faith passed along to us, that we each have a sacred responsibility to pass along to our children and even to our community. It really is in silence and solitude that we can retreat and reload in our spiritual lives so that we can come back like a lion to evangelize this world. And it takes practice and discipline. No different than getting in physical shape. You know, earlier this year, I started out on a journey myself to get in better physical shape. And it didn't take me very long uh, after most of my early workouts in this uh, process that I was going through. I came to the realization that if I wanted to see some tangible and objective physical gains, I would have to slug it out for several months to even see a hint of a positive result. I think we've all been there when we make that decision to get into better physical shape. And look at the spiritual life. Most of us are showing up to the walk with Jesus Christ. Hey, we're chubby and we're out of shape spiritually. But the tools are there. Tools is in the sacraments, practicing holiness, and the example of the saints. And if we use those tools properly, we can achieve a whole new level of holiness. And that's what our Lord wants from us. Now, here's a timely quote from Mother Teresa. Quote, love to pray. Feel often during the day the need for prayer and take trouble to pray. Prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself. Ask and seek, and your heart will grow big enough to receive him and keep him as your own. End quote. And how about this one too? Quote, we need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature... Trees, flowers, grass grow in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls, end quote. You know, that focus on sacred silence, it's so important to strive for in our noisy world. And I think athletes are really on to something when you, when you look at their lives and see the story behind the athlete. You know, we see their tremendous success on television, but we only see a snapshot of the fruits of their work. We don't see the hours of physical and mental exercises that get them prepared for that big moment. 
Now, there were a lot of great stories uh, from Christians and, and particularly Catholic athletes in the Tokyo Games. And one of my favorites was a young lady named Heidelin Diaz, who became the Philippines' first Olympic gold medalist in the sport of weightlifting, of all things. Now, there's a viral video of her with uh, the gold medal around her neck, but held in her hand for everyone to see was a miraculous medal. I, I loved it. It was a crystal clear uh, image of uh, that as great as winning a gold medal was. She valued the sacramental, that sacramental miraculous medal so much more. Now, Heidelin came from a large but real kind of a poorer family where she helped sell produce on the city streets with her father so that they could make a little extra money and certainly wasn't eating lavish food very often. She thanked her friends for praying the miraculous heart novena and was quoted as saying the medal was, quote, a sign of my faith in Mother Mary and Jesus Christ and added, quote, maybe God brought me here to inspire the youth to engage in sports and teach them the value of sports, end quote. You know, as someone who's been around sports my whole life, I can safely say that the nature of sports is for the individual to be built in virtue. You know, I tell kids that I coach that, uh, you know, if we win every game, every trophy, every accolade a team could ever get, but if we can't treat each other with dignity, the opposing team and the officials with respect, and if we mistreat our parents, our siblings, teachers, away from the playing field, we've lost. We've lost the game that really matters. I love this quote from St. Faustina's diary and what Jesus revealed to her. And Jesus said to her, quote, Know that you are on a great stage where all heaven and earth are watching you. Fight like a knight so I can reward you. Do not be unduly fearful because you are not alone, end quote. Now the evil one spares no part of life and society where he doesn't bring his influence to introduce vice over virtue. And we see that in sports today with the dark shadow of political correctness, so wokeism, and the love of money casting a piercing darkness across fields and arenas around the world, particularly in professional sports. As our Lord said in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8, quote, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? End quote. Now I read some interesting statistics on Olympic medals and, and what their monetary worth is. And for some reason, I always thought that the silver medal was pure silver. I don't know. Have you ever felt that way too? I don't know. I didn't know that. It's just plated. <laughs> well, surprisingly, no. If you melted down a silver medal, uh, the metal portion itself would be worth maybe about 500 bucks. Now, even a gold medal, it's uh, got about 24 karat gold, but the rest is sterling silver. Now, of course, collectors, uh, you know, these medals can fetch up to a million bucks, which begs the question, why would you want to buy an Olympic medal that you never even earned in the first place? I don't know. But the uh, bottom line, though, is really what is an Olympic medal worth? And that takes us to this great story of a young Polish lady who helps us define the heart of a true champion whose foundation is in virtue. Her name is Maria Andrzejczyk, and she won a silver medal in women's javelin. And after a lot of ups and downs in her professional and personal life, uh, she finished uh, the dreaded fourth place in the 2016 Olympics, same event in the javelin, and even had a brief bout with a type of bone cancer only a few years ago. But uh, so she wins this medal, but then she hears about a story of a young boy around eight months old in California that needed a real expensive heart operation to save his life. 
So what did she do? She decided to auction off her medal. How amazing is that? Now, there's a major uh, box store of some sort in Poland that ended up with the winning bid, and they paid $125,000 for that medal. And Mario was quoted as saying the following, I fought like a lioness through a lot of pain and depression, and it is with great pleasure that I am handing over to you, Zabka, that's the big store chain, my medal, which to me is a symbol of faith and perseverance in the face of great obstacles. End quote. And then here's the, the great quote from her that I just loved. It uh, really brought out her true virtue. She said, quote, The true value of a medal always remains in the heart. A medal is only an object, but it can be of great value to others. This silver can save lives instead of collecting dust in a closet. That is why I decided to auction it to help sick children, end quote. And the cherry on top of the cake, of course, she reveals that she is on our team, Team RC. Quote, our parents brought us up in a deep Catholic faith. This faith is very important in my life. I think that everything happens according to God's plan, and I pray before every competition, end quote. And at the end of the day, everyone wins because the company that put up the money for the deal told Maria to keep the medal and the little boy is going to get his life-saving surgery. Maybe he's already had it. I'm not too sure. So we'll keep them in our prayers for sure. Now, the great example of these athletes with uh, Heidelin and Maria, their example inspire you to have faith in the virtue of sport and the example that athletes can be on the world. And when it comes to prayer and living a sacramental life for our kids and our spouse, we need to possess perseverance, patience, and dedication. You know, we've all heard the saying, do as I say, not as I do. Well, as parents, we're not always going to get everything right, but we know the practices and habits to pass along to our children to make them holy. We do know them for sure. Think of all the great saints that the church has produced and the Lord has given to us as an example. Behind nearly all those saints were devout parents who instilled the seeds of faith deep in the hearts of these individuals. Maybe the rosary is difficult for you to understand, and reading the Bible seems like something you just don't have the time to do. But persevere in what you know is a holy habit and share it with your children. Now I'm picking up this great prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and my aim is to memorize it. And I know a lot of you already know it, but I want to share it with you anyways and, and challenge you to memorize it yourself and to share it with your kids. It is called the Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And offer this prayer for the intentions of your children every day, that they will grow in holiness and a right relationship with God. And it doesn't matter what their age is. You know, one of the sad things that I hear from time to time, from especially from older gentlemen, older dads, is that their children fell away from the faith, and they're so concerned about their this fall from faith and the way they're living their lives as adults, and they're so concerned for the state of their soul. Well, I encourage you to keep praying, just like St. Monica kept praying for St. Augustine. And I know that example is used often, but it's uh, there's a recipe for success, and that is prayer and offering your children up to the Blessed Virgin Mary and to the most sacred heart of Jesus. 
And you're going to see changes. I know you will. Just have that faith the size of a mustard seed, that faith that can move mountains, and uh, you'll be amazed at what's going to happen. So keep that prayerful life. Keep praying this, the Memorari. It's a great prayer, a great part of our tradition of our church. Well, as promised, here's that brief pre-show show, if you will, that I had with Charles Coulomb and some great insights on history and how we as Catholics need to put our cultural differences aside and focus on building up the church through our common vision of the truth and love found only in Jesus Christ. See you on the other side, my friends. We're one of the one of the tragedies of Canada, there, uh, believe it or not, there are a couple, but... One of them is that the, um, let's put it this way, the French-Canadian uh, resistance to the insanity doesn't know the Anglo-Canadian and vice versa. The Western resistance doesn't know Toronto or Ontario. Uh, nobody knows the Maritimes, least of all the Maritimes, but there are a lot of really uh, good folk out in uh, out of the Maritimes in Newfoundland. Um and this is a time, really, for all of them to get to know one another. You know, I I say every yeah. uh, every French Canadian committed Catholic should read George Grant, and every Anglo Canadian should uh, at least turn on his uh, Google Translate and read Monsignor Gru. <laughs> Who is Monsignor Gru again? Show that that's uh, Lionel Gru. Don't feel bad. The average French Canadian would say, "Who's George Grant?" <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's because it's easy to remember a more English name. I don't know. But yeah, tell me about uh, Monsignor. So is he a, was he a bishop? or No, no. He was a, a Monsignor, a, okay. a, a prelate to his holiness. Uh, died in 69 or 70. I forget now. But he, uh, he was going for many, many decades. Uh, it was really our premier um, historian and uh really the architect the last great spokesman for what was called la survivance the survival you gotta remember that traditionally the french canadians felt that we had a uh, providential mission uh to spread the faith latin civilization and so on in this strange and peculiar uh continent of north america all catholics had that that mission right charles before you know, and definitely in the in the early twentieth century, and even before that, was the mission was to save souls and to evangelize well, the nations. Right in the Anglosphere, not so much, and and that's because, of course, of the uh, the sad history of persecution. I mean, one of the things you've got to bear in mind when you look at, at the history of both the American Catholicism and Canadian Catholicism, uh, you've got to bear in mind that in the uh, English-speaking world, Catholicism came over on steerage. You know, um, the the penal laws in uh, in England and Ireland and Scotland uh, damaged Catholicism in those countries beyond just the obvious. Uh, there wasn't that much in the way of liturgical life. Outwardly, you can't have huge processions and that sort of thing when you're illegal. It's kind of tough. Um, so Catholicism in those countries tend to be very much more inward looking, uh, defensive, internal, and much more concerned with, uh, pure survival on the one hand, uh, personal morality on the other, 
personal devotions to a degree. Uh, big on the rosary. I mean, you know, again, and, and it's important to point out that there's nothing wrong with that, especially given the circumstances under which it arose. The problem was that it did not adjust well to an atmosphere of freedom. And so very often, especially because of, you know, three centuries or more of abuse, just being accepted, having a place at the table was enough. And mutatis mutandis, uh, the evangelical streak in uh, French-Canadian Catholicism was primarily aimed toward the Indians and so on. Um, the idea that Protestant Anglo-Canadians were worthwhile, uh, uh, worthwhile beneficiaries of evangelization is not something that really, really occurred to the French Canadians either. Rather, simply the extension of, of Francophonie to the west of Canada uh, and the evangelization of the Indians, that was seen as, as what we should be doing. And, and mind you, I'm not saying it was wrong to do that either. None of these things were wrong in and of themselves. It's just that they weren't enough. Implicit was the idea that either, um, either the family compact in Ontario or uh, St. James, uh, James Street in Montreal were not places you would want to evangelize. And it, uh, yet in America, it was worse because there from the very beginning, the Catholic leadership made a sort of uh, deal that in return for acceptance, we wouldn't rock the boat. It's interesting that um, when John Carroll came with Benjamin Franklin to try to convince the French Canadians to join with the rebels, uh, Bishop Briand of Quebec, uh, who had received not just the letter to the people of Canada from the Continental Congress that went on about how, oh, just because we have a difference in religion, surely we have the same level of liberty, blah, blah, blah. But he'd also gotten a copy of their letter to the people of England, which attacked King George for establishing that in Quebec, that religion which has bathed your islands in blood. And unfortunately for the Congress, Brion got his hands on both letters. And Charles, that was the story you told uh, the last time we chatted, and it was a fascinating story. I had a lot of feedback from that. People like, I've never heard that story before. That's interesting. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. It just it just goes to show that, um, yeah, the, the, the seeds of, what's the word? Is it is it confusion? Is it division? Is it, is it um, I guess, relative, Re relativism? Relativism. You know, like, uh, like Benedict the Sixteenth said, you know, like, that's your truth. This is my truth. Let's try to live in, in harmony, but without the cross, without Catholicism. No, Does that I make mean, sense, Charles? Well, look, uh, it, it, it certainly makes historical sense. Uh, the thing is that our, our national philosophy in, in Quebec was called La Surveillance, this Bible, the very, by the very name, is defensive. Uh, and, of course, it, was, it had three parts. La foi, la langue, the faith, the language, and customs. I, I like to say about your, your prime minister that he combines his father's morals with his mother's brains. Uh, and that, yeah. you know, we all, we all have DNA. We all come from what we come from. There's no doubt about that. He's a very unfortunate person, but even more unfortunate are those who vote for him. Uh, not that that's 
Somebody put somebody's got to put them there, right? Well, the see, day. that's the thing, so. and uh, I don't know that in Canada voter fraud was ever so uh, so well developed as we did down here. Uh, we Americans pioneered it in ways that many other countries, mind you, don't get me wrong, the Italians were always very good at it. And there are certain not American countries that really it's a shame when it comes to voter fraud, but we're pretty good with it. We, we, we're it's 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 as American as apple pie. You know, what's interesting, Charles, is that the actual, um, I think it's the headquarters of, I believe it's called Dominion Voting Service, Dominion Services, whatever, whoever handled the U.S. elections in 2020, actually headquartered in Ontario, uh, out, of, uh, out of, I believe it's out of Toronto. So there is, yeah, so there's, um, there's connections that uh, you wouldn't hear too much about from the mainstream media in Canada, which is uh, far more to the left than even, even in the U.S., if people can believe that, but uh uh, we're we're pretty far gone here with media and truth is um, that's you like know, oil and water. Your Globe and Mail, I'll tell you, you talk about a uh, a rotten uh, news source, uh, and it's it's funny when you consider that uh, the uh, its progenitor was the Empire and Globe. You know what a what a what a yeah. different. Uh, you see, this is one of the one of the amazing things about Canada is that it flip-flopped, both Anglo and Franco-Canada, flip-flopped so completely, so totally. I mean, people don't really... They, we know, of course, about the uh, Quiet Revolution in Quebec, the Revolution en Everyone knows about that. They don't realize that the same process happened with the Anglo-Canadians. But it most certainly did. I mean, all you have to do is compare Diefenbaker to any of his successors as the, as Tory leaders, you, you know, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. Well, I, you know, the thing, the thing is, I, I hate to quote John Wesley, but uh, the world is my parish. And, and it's true of all of us now, actually, you know, we, we well, and it's a blessing that way though. We need we need that kind of your that that's it's 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 interesting yeah it's nice to have a home but like you said the world's your parish that's interesting because you do have a message Charles I think it's great that that we can all grab something from uh, I'm almost looking at this conversation as how do we well, rally the troops Sir Charles at the front rally us up let's you know give us some good news you know or give us the truth well I think the, that's the important thing to bear in mind you know thing. honestly is that there is not a Catholic people that don't have enough in their own heritage to inspire them. And number two, traditionally, they often forgot, but so does every other Catholic people. And the heritage of every Catholic people is the heritage of us all. That's not original to me. That's St. Augustine. Uh, he said, yep. because the church speaks Latin and Greek and Aramaic and Syriac and Coptic and so on. All these are his too. And so it is with us, Ecclesia Patria Nostra. The, um, there's nothing worse than inter-Catholic fights, and especially when they're over questions of culture and nationality. Because that is mm -hmm. precisely where we should realize we're members of the same family, building blocks of the, of the, the great yes. Church of Christ. And whether it's Maronites in Lebanon or it's tribesmen in, uh, in Sabah, Wherever the Catholic faith is threatened, China, India, those are our countrymen. I mean, really and truly, mm -hmm. when it comes to this, 
water, baptismal water, is thicker than blood. And that, yes. that is something that we have failed to see time and time again. And it's something, especially now that the world is the way it is, that it's so global. Now we definitely have an obligation. I mean, all my life, certainly, conspiracy theorists and all that have uh, gone on about one world government and globalism and so on. And with good reason, often enough. But it is the way the world is now, and there's doubtless a reason for it. God wouldn't have allowed it to happen. The way he allowed the uh, the Roman roads and the Roman Empire. So, too, with this technology, which is so used by the enemy. Uh, same thing. I mean, today, the average person with access to the Internet is in touch with people around the globe of like mind. And I don't care if you're into beekeeping or ballet. The vast majority of us right now have friends and acquaintances scattered across the globe. Now, this was very different from the world of my youth and childhood. And you can say it's good, you can say it's bad, you can say whatever you like, but it's the way it is. And so we have to use it for the service of God and the church uh, the way the enemy uses it for the service of uh, his Lord and Master. Well, big thanks to Charles Coulomb again for joining us up here in Canada to rally the troops and to give us some encouragement on this journey and uh, obviously a lot of uh, great insights and truths to pass along to us. And it was a, a great honor and a pleasure to have Charles again. Again, on episode 42, we had our full-length interview with Charles, so I invite you to go back and listen to that as well. This was just a conversation that we had before we started uh, actually talking and, and formally recording, and I told Charles I was recording it, and he was uh, good enough to say, hey, let's uh, you can you could put it out as uh, some bonus content if you'd like. And, uh, of course, it's worth it as uh, Charles' insights are so valuable. So thanks again to Charles Coulomb, and you can catch him on his podcast, Off the Menu. You can find his works at uh, Crisis Magazine and uh, the YouTube channel as well through Tumblr Hosts and the Off the Menu podcast with Vincent Franchini. So again, thank you to Charles. And thanks everyone for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast and look forward to sharing more content with you just around the corner. So keep praying for me. I'm praying for you for sure. It is not an easy time to be a Catholic and a person of faith in this world, but let's keep being a beacon of light to others and let's stay in that state of grace. I always love the words of St. Philip Neri. When he said, quote, the best way to prepare for death is to spend every day of life as though it were your last. And let's make sure that we have that in mind every time we go to Mass and as often as we receive communion. Knowing that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, we've got to believe that and we've got to tell our Catholic brothers and sisters, our friends, our neighbors, our family members, who Jesus really is and that he is our Eucharistic Lord and he's our Eucharistic King. And uh, I really appreciate all the feedback that we've received from the last several episodes that we've had with, with Charles, also with Kennedy Hall, Aaron and Christina Debeshera. And I invite you to listen to those episodes if you haven't done so already. But we really wanted to bring the truth to light about what's going on in Canada right now and uh, some of the truth around the church burnings. And uh, Charles stated it very eloquently in episode 42. This isn't something we should be afraid to talk about. We should speak with clarity and charity but also with firmness because the enemies of catholicism are knocking at the door and uh, we need to be 
we need to be first and foremost in a state of grace. Then we need to learn our faith, live our faith, and learn to defend it too. And uh, God will give us the grace. Don't be afraid. You know, sometimes you, you overthink these things when you have conversations with people or when you're about to have a conversation with someone that might be a little bit difficult or a little bit awkward when trying to defend the faith. But the Holy Spirit, when you're living in a state of grace, the Holy Spirit comes the exact moment you need it. And have that faith that that's going to happen. It happens to me all the time. Don't worry about those opportunities. Just pray for the grace to recognize them and the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. So want to leave you with that for the end of this particular episode. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and drop me a line anytime. Love hearing from you. And remember, Catholics, you know what you've got to do. you got to live in a state of grace. And how do we do that? Well, we've got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.